Welcome to Tea Time with Shaylee and Amber, the podcast where we talk about all the shit that your horse wants you to know and what you can do about it. Amber is a horse trainer and a personal results coach, certified in Theta and Semitic Breathwork. Shaylee is an animal communicator who also teaches communication. Both knowledge seekers with the intention of sharing that knowledge and hoping that we can encourage the listeners to do the same. Welcome to today's episode where we talk with Brianna Blackwelder of Equine Muscle Works. Brianna is a third year vet student, an equine body worker, and a human PT. She's basically a little encyclopedia on legs. In this conversation, we talk about blending energy work with medicine, boundaries for practitioners, respecting the time of your professionals, and more. You can follow Brianna's journey on Facebook, Equine Muscle Works. And as always, if you want to dive deeper, check out our membership. The link is in the notes. All right, let's go. Hello, and welcome back to the podcast. We're super excited to be talking with you guys again. We kind of, I feel like we took a little hiatus um, because we had the clinic and I don't even remember what our last podcast was, but anyway, thanks for being back. (laughs) Um, Today, we have a special guest, Brianna Blackwelder. Thanks for joining us. Yeah, thanks for having me. Definitely. We're stoked. Brianna is like a really good friend of mine. Um, She's in her third year of vet school. She is an equine body worker. She's a little intuitive soul. And we're excited to kind of like pick her brain. Um, And I was telling Amber, like right before this podcast, I was like, I don't even remember like how you went down this path of like equine body work. How did you start with just like getting into the body work side of stuff? Well, so vet is my second career, actually. So I worked in human physical therapy um, for several years, and I always navigated towards manual work with people, even when I had modalities at my disposal all the time. You know, I liked connecting with people, and I had taken fascial courses and craniosacral courses for that. And then when I knew I needed to go down the route of becoming a veterinarian, I found the courses for myofascial work. And I already had the palpation skills and the understanding of that technique. And so it was pretty easy to transition right into, into that and start doing it on horses. And I fell in love with it immediately. I still think about like when you worked on Kip, because you like sat in front of him with your hands on his pectoral muscles. And you were just like, oh my gosh, he's so stuck here. And I swear that day, like his entire body changed. And I was like, this is not a normal body worker. Like she is definitely feeling into some intuitive stuff because I swear you released something in him because he has never been the same since. Like it totally changed him. And I love like as an animal communicator, like having so many clients together because like I can say like, oh, Brianna needs to look at this or she needs to look at that. And it's so cool to like, hear the animals like, um, after they meet with you and the things that have shifted in their bodies. So, um, do you feel like you'll be able to easily like be able to blend like vet school stuff and the energy work portion of things? Oh, absolutely. So I'm already kind of doing it right. So like, as my knowledge base gets deeper and stronger, I use that. And I find like marrying the two for me is going pretty seamlessly Um, So by July of this year, I'll have my acupuncture certification. So I'm adding some of that in when I'm able to. So it's, it's actually not as hard as, you know, I originally thought it was going to be. So I'm kind of, you can choose your own adventure in vet med, which is pretty amazing. So when I come out, 
I can start a completely holistic practice and focus on body work and acupuncture and Cairo if it's necessary and use that to build my clientele and build off of that. Yeah, for sure. And do you feel like, um, just your experience as a body worker and like feeling out your energy first, like, do you feel like that almost want to say like puts you at an advantage or it just helps you truly understand like the energy that you bring into like the vet med portion, because Amber and I talk about this, um, all the time where it's like, when you have to give dewormers or like with vets having to give vaccine and, and there's like this whole, you know, like, oh, you're injecting poison into their body and their heavy metals and all of this stuff. But like, I think there's something to be said about like holding space and like that energy and intention behind it um, puts you at a little bit of an advantage to like help horses as a vet. <laughs> I do think it helps. I volunteer a lot, like at the equine hospital when I'm at school and like, I was on a rotation um, for equine soft tissue and there was a few horses and they're like, Oh, be careful. They rear, they strike. And those are my favorite ones, right? Like I just loved them and they're, you know, fighters and they're wanting to get out of there. And I would just go stand with them, you know, like find the 10 or 15 minutes, stand with them in their stall. I didn't ask anything of them. I didn't ask them to, you know, take a medication. I didn't ask them to do anything other than just be in a space and, I think just being able to bring those moments is so healing or to just put your hand on them with nothing more than the intention of like, you know, bringing help and healing and comfort, things like that make a huge difference. So I, you know, whether I'm even like, you know, working with the horses or even doing my small animal rotations or even cows, like it doesn't matter. I try to ground myself and bring that type of energy into what I do. And I always set my intention for healing and for helping. And they know, like they, they can tell, and it's pretty amazing. Like the shift that you see happen with them, even when it's uncomfortable. So like, even when we have to give a med or even when we have to do dressing changes, their shift is pretty impressive. So you said this was your, it's like your second career. Is there a reason why you decided to go into that part? Because I know that's not like some simple, like, I'm going to go to vet school. That's a kind of a big decision. It was a huge decision. So like the very narrow story is my, you know, because it would take a really long podcast to tell my whole like trajectory in life a lot longer than we have. So essentially like my, like from day one, like as far back as I can remember, vet was always like the calling I had. And then life threw me some pretty intense curveballs and literally just like shook me upside down and like threw me in a completely different direction. Looking back, it's great because I'm not the same vet now that I would be if I had gotten in before, right? Like I would have been a very different, probably even maybe in a small animal practice or, you know, doing something, I would not be this holistic focused and manual focused because that, you know, the several years I worked in PT was like, it just honed in those skills and seeing healing and being able to get feedback from people about healing was really helpful. Cause I can often use that and lameness. Listen, I've walked people walk so much. I can watch lameness on a horse. Like that's like second nature, which is also really helpful. Um, so, you know, my heart just wasn't happy. Like I wasn't fulfilled doing physical therapy. I loved the helping people, but it wasn't it for me. So like, I like can almost remember the day I woke up and I was like, 
forget it. I'm just going to go for this. And I started and it was a long process to get the rest of my prereqs done. And I had like work full time and do night school. And it was just a lot, but worth it because like now that I'm in it, I'm like, yeah, this is it. This is like the forever path. And I'm really grateful for it. So cool. I love that you like waited for that, like inspiration to hit. And, um, I do want to ask you because like, as your friend, I know that there has been a time or two, actually the second time that I was going to send you pictures was, um, recently and none of the pictures sent. And I was like, it's a note from the universe. Do not harass your friend now that she's becoming a vet, like don't do it. But how are you going to, I feel like vets can get so easily burnt out. They can have compassion fatigue. Um, you want to help everybody or obviously as many people as you can. And there is that like boundary of this is all I can give. And how do you feel like you're going to be able to like maintain your boundaries moving into this space? I wish I knew actually, uh, that has been a journey. I was never good with boundaries. I never knew the word. No, like I would to the detriment, like to my fatigue or to whatever I would go, you know, I would drive three and a half hours just to see one horse and be like, Oh, you can't afford travel. That's fine. Like, don't worry about it. Your horse needed to be worked on. And I have learned over, especially trying to manage and run my business while being in vet school, I have to have boundaries if my brain is going to function and if my body's going to hold up. So I'm learning that no is a sentence and you always, you don't always have, you don't have to give an explanation. Like you don't owe an explanation. Sometimes, you know, that's a, it's a very healthy sentence to give to people and I'm working on it. And I also, because of the type of work I want to do, I, unless I'm doing emergency sharing with another clinic, I'm not going to necessarily be doing a lot of preventative care, but more like rehab and lameness and holistic type care. So I'm not going to have as many after hours and emergencies. And I think setting those boundaries and turning my phone off and, you know, being okay with not answering a message until the next day. And that's just going to come with time, but it is getting better. Like I'm making slow progress and I'm just hoping it keeps growing. Yeah, I feel you on that. Amber and I are kind of like, we're going to do like a whole little workshop around boundaries because it is something that I feel like a lot of us struggle with, especially in the equine industry. And I am experiencing that now where it's almost like I felt like boundaries was saying no to like helping an animal and that like crushed my soul. Like I'd be like, oh, it makes me so sad that like your horse is literally like you know, you're at your wits end. And like, I just don't have the energy to give you. But what I found has been really interesting for me is like setting clear intentions. So like when people um, set up an appointment with me now, they like fill out a form. And at the top of the form, I've set my intentions. Like these are my intentions for the session. These are my intentions, you know, whatever, whatever, this is what I'm not going to do. And this is why I'm not right for you. And if you're any of these, like that has helped me so much, but I think of you all the time, how like, it's just so easy when someone is like such a wealth of knowledge to like, want to go to them for help. And then having to remember like, oh wait, like they have so much on their plate. Like there's that. And then setting your boundaries with friends, right? Like, I feel like you're moving into such a tough space because so many vets that I know they will do anything for their friends. And that is, that's a tough space to be in too. It is. And I do, you know, and I, 
I do want to help everybody. And I get where you're coming from with that. Like when somebody calls or I have a really close friend or a family member and they're like, oh my gosh, you know, my horse isn't walking well, or something's really off. And I feel like this you know, whole responsibility, this strong responsibility to get out there and to do whatever I can. And then, you know, and if I'm already super fatigued, like, what am I all, like, what am I bringing to the table at that point too? You know, like if you're already kind of done for the day or for the week or whatever, like if you're just drained, but it's, you know, it's, it's hard, like, especially with friends and people or like clients that I've had that have been with me since the beginning, like that are more like family at this point or close friends. Like it's, it's hard. Those boundaries are really hard for me. So I completely agree and understand with where you're coming from. I I think I've talked about this probably multiple times on the podcast, but there's this really amazing conversation that Gabor Monte has about um, how the body says no, if you don't, and I'm always giving it to it because it's specifically focused on people who are in a caretaker role, whether it's they're taking care of family or they're taking care of clients or whatever it is and how, what people really need to understand is that when you're in like crisis mode and the only thing you're focused on is your own situation that you're in and how this is definitely the most important and relevant thing for you right in that moment. Um, and that there's this one person that is going to be able to fix and solve this, you know, issue that's going on. And then having that real deep understanding if someone says no to you, it's because they absolutely 100% cannot give any more really having people understand that concept and hearing professionals talk about while you're in your own situation and it feels really intense. There's also multiple people in very intense situations reaching Mm -hmm. out to one person and, um, I don't know. I I just feel like what you're doing is so cool because you have that combination of the two things. And I wish that you were in California. (laughs) Give me a couple years. I will travel anywhere. I'll go wherever. Uh, So, so you had kind of said that that was your intention was to do more, you know, problem-based figuring stuff out less emergency type stuff. Um, what made you make that decision? Was it just specifically because of that, how worn out (laughs) regular vets get, or is it, there's something about that that really calls to you more than it calls to me. Like, I don't, I actually enjoy helping with emergency workups. I mean, cause let's, you know, horses get into trouble. People need help. Like I think being able to like effectively help in those emergency situations is great basic training. But like the thing that makes my heart sing is when I get to be with a horse for longer than, you know, if it's a preventative, like a quick, you know, on the farm, you do the thing, you pull your Coggins, you do your lameness exams. They're wonderful. And there's nothing against that because we have to have general practitioners, but my heart sings with the ones that are just like, having the problems that they can't find like a major thing that they can pinpoint right away, or, you know, they can't, they don't have the, maybe the time to spend an hour or two with a horse. And I want that ability. So I want my own practice where I can say, this horse is going to need X, Y, Z, and it's going to take me 75 minutes. And I have that time with that horse and then can go from there. Cause that's, that's how I really, when my hands are on them and I'm working and I'm feeling things, And then I kind of figure out which acupuncture they may need or whatever else goes along with the treatment. 
it's, that's where I feel like I'm the most beneficial. And if I want to help the horses to the best of my ability, I feel like that's where it is. I love that. I feel like we live in a world where ever like there's all this like on demand stuff. And, um, and I like, I even think about it, like at the grocery store, how you're like next in line and you're like, Oh shit, got to get all my groceries, like out of the cart as fast as I can and put, you know, like I don't want to. And I feel like sometimes visits can be like that, where it's like this, like franticness about it. And even in my own work now, like I totally restructured my entire schedule because I'm like, I need more time in between sessions. Cause like, sessions are inadvertently like gonna run over and it sucks to like rush it for the sake of time or money or whatever. So I can totally empathize with that for sure. And I love that the idea of seeing them multiple times, because there is like a certain sense of the horse, like letting their guard down and trusting their vet or their body worker, whoever, when like, I know in my sessions, like people, people, um, they're like people to me. Um, horses will like show me your image. And I'm like, oh, are you in North Carolina? Like I totally know this person. And they totally build up like this little rapport. And um, I have to lay one of my horses to rest next week. And I asked the vet that knew him before, who's like two hours away. I was like, can you please be the one to come x-ray his neck? And can you be the one to put him down if we need to? And he came because that's something that my horse, I was like, I will pay whatever it takes. Like my horse knows you and trusts you. And there is something to be said about like having that relationship. I think it's so interesting. Anytime people don't believe that that relationship is important or that they know. And it's so funny from a communication perspective, because I will see body workers. Like I was actually talking to a horse at Amber's and (laughs) she showed her owner as like a short old little crusty person and Amber was like she's like in her 20s um and so it's funny how they like perceive different people and they they get attached to people more than we realize and especially when you're able to just like hold space there's so much rushing around in that and um and I think that a lot could be changed with like vaccinations and all of that stuff. Like the energy of it, if you can do exactly what you're saying, like be able to just kind of like hold space for a second, not rush from appointment to appointment. So that's cool. Mm -hmm. What's your favorite part of that school so far? What are you learning? We want to (laughs) know. Oh my gosh. That's loaded. Um, Let's see. So far, I mean, the equine classes have been great, but I think I have no desire to ever be a pathologist ever, ever, but the pathology classes where you learn all the really weird things that can happen in all the systems of the body and how it can affect it systemically was fascinating. Um, you know, that was, and then, you know, your clin path that goes with that. So being able to not just look at blood work and like pick out some things, but like truly interpret that and use that to help the animals is just, to me was just amazing. It was like a huge missing puzzle piece that I've been after for a while and finally got it. So that was really, really cool for me. And then, well, you know, as we keep going, I'll have more equine classes um, this semester, but so far, I think the pathology has been, been the ones I've loved the most. That's super cool. What do you already know? Like what equine classes you're about to take? 
Yes. So I finally got to sign up for some. So like last year we declared our tracks. So NC state does everybody mixed animal for the first two years. And then the last two, well, you have, we have third and then we have clinical year, then you track and you get to like hone in a little bit. So I'll be taking advanced equine reproduction, advanced equine lameness and surgery and equine medicine. So those will be the main Cool. I can't wait to hear all about selfishly as your friend. I'm like, oh, can't wait to hear all about it. That's all anybody might have. They're like sick of talking to me because that's all I talk about. Like, if you call me, that's all I'm going to talk about. So, <laughs> there's that. You can text me and nerd out with me anytime because I like to know all the things. But there is that balance. Speaking of, I actually went through like a little lull in my learning recently because I found that I was like analyzing my own horses so much. And I had to go on this whole vision quest long story for this clinic. But um, I was analyzing my horses so much because I was learning all these things. And then Amber got me hooked up with her theta teacher. And then I was learning that like each whatever pain, it had a belief system attached to it. And then I was getting into that in my sessions. Um, so how are you going to like balance all of this new knowledge and stuff like with your own horses? Like, how are you not going to just like pick them apart unintentionally? <laughs> You know, I've actually surprisingly done a really good job. And I think some of that has to do with like my PT life, right? Because like, I already did that. Like I already went through that, but with people and now I'm like, okay, like let's step back. Like, you know, 0.001% of horses in the world is going to have this thing. So I'm pretty sure you are not in that statistic and let really let's hope not, but I just, I do pretty good. And I don't get to see my horses very often, which is heartbreaking because I'm in Raleigh most of the time. So honestly, when I see them, I'm just so stinking happy to be with them. I'm not picking anything apart. Like I'm like, I'm sitting right here and just listening to you eat hay for a while because I just need to hear you chew. Like (laughs) that's where I am. So that's been good. And I found like my horse, um, Jackson, my little quarter horse that he's like the sneaky troublemaker. You got to watch him, but he got himself somehow like caught in my fence and he rolled himself out and was almost in the road. It was a whole like awful drama thing. He never even like the fence wasn't ever down. He just, I don't know how he did it. Um, but like being able to come home and knowing like I have suture material, I have the stuff I need, like I can look at it and be like, oh yeah, this is just like a cold hose and like cover you situation. I'm not worried. That was really nice because like three years ago, I'd have been calling the emergency vet and like, I think you need to get out here. And so I'm not picking them apart, but I'm using the knowledge when I need to. So that's been helpful. Do you find that because you have that knowledge about people's bodies and then horses' bodies that when you go to work on like a horse, you can look at the person and find correlations? Is that something? It happens all the time. It's my favorite conversation. (laughs) Like, and I usually like, if people aren't in a space to hear that, you know, I don't bring it up. But sometimes if it's like glaringly and I'm like, we need to like talk about this. Or I had one client who, you know, knew she was having some physical things. So I was like, let's brainstorm about some ways that we can work your horse to help like mitigate the, the off balance kind of thing. But I, all the time, like it's pretty amazing. And I tell people a lot about like the rider, like the mirror image, you know, the horse rider mirror image. And it's just 
unbelievable. Like you'll see a horse walk and you're like, well, that's odd, but then here comes our person. And I'm like, well, maybe it's not, <laughs> maybe you guys are just all together here. Um, so it's pretty cool. I just, I don't work on people as much. I do have some PT people around here that I can, like, I can say, Hey, or, you know, you can go see them. They're direct access. Or if there's a body worker, um, because I know if I started working on people, like I would get to Barnes and I would never touch a horse. Um, and that's not where my heart is any, you know, right now. So I, um, I do recognize it. And I do suggest with some people that they need to like scurry and get some body work. I'll take care of the horse and they can take care of themselves. And then we'll meet in the middle and then go from there. Yeah. Do you find that that's also prevalent in people that don't actually ride their horses? Um, as in like people that have horses and have some issues. Yeah. Yes. Like the similarities in the bodies, but because I feel like it's really easy for someone to say, well, of course, if you're riding your horse and you're on their back and your body is a certain way, you're going to push. And I'm like, well, that person doesn't even ride their horse and I see things going on. So what's that about? I do see some interesting like mirrors between, because most of the horses I work on are being ridden. Very few of them aren't. Um, but I will say like my horse Jackson, like he's just I felt like he's communicated. He's done with writing like, and I'm okay with that. He loves Liberty work. And I think that's great. And he has a home for forever. So it doesn't matter to me whether he's a riding horse or not. My husband is not a rider. He wasn't even a horse person. Um, but I see like really interesting, like mirroring between Jackson and Garrett. And so, yes, I do think that there is a factor in that associated. I mean, he barely puts a halter on him. So it's not like he's even like, pulling or moving him around. It's just those two have connected and the way they can mirror each other is pretty fascinating. I will say that like, I understood mirroring like to an extent before we did this elements of connection clinic. And then we did this clinic and I was able to talk to the same horses for multiple days in a row. And like, we got such in-depth information from their people multiple days in a row and as the people were unwinding, it was like unreal to see the changes in their horses. And some of the, some of the stuff, like there was one girl that was like having like major reproductive stuff as soon as she started moving and her horse legitimately like, like, cut, like put himself in half and was like chomping at his sides as she was like releasing this stuff. And like, it was just so crazy to hear the horse's perspective too, because the people were so open to being vulnerable that the horses were like, yeah, I've been carrying this for you, but like, this is the path that I take. And I think that's why I'm so strongly like in this no comparison phase right now. And like this, I got really triggered by someone the other day telling me to get a second opinion for bro. I was like, I don't need a second opinion. I needed the validation for what I've already been hearing. Like I've been on this journey for so long with him. Like the images just validated like what I'm ready to see at this point. And I think there's like this big comparison piece and that's where some of the, like the body stuff comes from. And I feel like, and Amber, if you feel differently, let me know. But I feel like we saw a lot of that, like the comparing themselves and their past relationships and just all kinds of things that are manifesting in the body. And it's insane how the horses are holding space for it. Like I had no idea the depth of like, of what they carry. And then after the clinic, I had these sessions, like my very first session, 
um, I connected with the horse and I was like, okay, I see jaw pain, but now that I did the clinic, I have all these energetic symbols instead. And so I'm like, Ooh, this is energy that he's holding for you. I see it only at night, almost as if you grit your teeth at night. And she was like, Oh, well, I wear a mouth guard. And I was like, Holy crap. So your horse is literally carrying this jaw tension. And then now Amber has me take things a step further where I'm like, okay, how is this serving you? And then I have to take them into the light, which I never did before. And I'm like, where is this coming from? And it's just cool to see like the mirroring, but, um, do you feel, well, actually, I guess, let me ask this first. Are the people usually present when you're working on their horses? Cause I feel like some of my clients are not present when you're working on them. It's about 50, 50, honestly. So I would say half the time there's clients there. Some of the larger barns, like where I was at today, um, what I see like seven horses and the owners were there for three of them. Um, cause it doesn't always work with their schedule. Right. Um, and it is some of them, it's very interesting to see like how the horses respond. And there's some that I almost feel like, like there's one client I have in particular and like, I feel like the horse feels like they have to be on guard and watching for this person all the time. Cause they're like, always like either talking about something bad that's happened or like that, you know, it's a lot of like, feeling like you got to look over your shoulder and like, look out for yourself a little extra hard. And when they're there, it's like that horse can't even begin to relax. It's like, they have to be on guard for their person and like, don't take their eyes off of them. So it's really interesting, like how the energy can shift depending on, um, with some, with some people when they're with their horses. Yeah, I feel like there's a little bit of a disconnect where they just think like, okay, the body worker's here. Like, I hear that all the time. Oh, well, I'm just going to call the body worker and they're going to fix my horse and he's going to be fine. Or I'll be like, this, this system is having a hard time. Oh, well, the Cairo comes out on Monday. And I'm like, no, that's not what I mean. It's a little bit deeper than that. And I would just be like curious at how things would change for the horses if like they were there with you, especially with like your new knowledge as a vet and really feeling into like why this is happening. And if they're not releasing it, you being able to be there in the current moment with them and being like, Hey, this is not releasing. And there's a reason why, like he's holding on to this or whatever. But if the person has a disconnect, it's like you keep going out and treating the same things. Right. Cause it's connected to the person most likely. That, yes. So a lot of times there's like where I'll see a horse or they'll call me and then I'll say, you know, I really would like to see you again in like, you know, a week or two weeks so we can keep going and keep working. And then they just, they'll wait, you know, two, three months. And then we're literally right back where we started. Like you're on this wheel and it's hard to get out of that wheel. But if a person can't change their mindset about it, you're kind of that wheel's a harder to get out of, if that makes sense. It's like, you're stuck in this roundabout and you just keep missing the exit because if like your mindset isn't there to hear, well, he's, you know, tight X, Y, Z. I think, you know, if you added this or change this, or we try that, I mean, sometimes I met with resistance or like flippancy and that's, that's just where it is sometimes. And I just, in those scenarios, just try to give the best that I can to those horses and as much healing and help and release as I can. And especially now, because I have so like little time available anymore to get out to places. So I try to like, you know, I always did before, but like now I'm even like more cognizant, like, oh gosh, we're going to really have to make sure we get <laughs> deep and like with you as deep as that horse can go and release as much as we can because it's hard. But I have had people, I think vet school has 
open that door a little bit because now when I say things, there's been clients before that were like, eh, but now they're like, oh, maybe I should listen. And it, that's been pretty cool. Like to see even now, even though I'm not a vet yet and I've still got, you know, what, like a little less than two years to go, like there's already been a little bit of a shift. So I'm just hopeful that as like my, you know, progress through school and then I get out and I'm practicing that maybe it's going to be easier to shift people's attention to where I need it to be. I'm hopeful. Yeah, that's such a super rad like combination. I'm so excited for you and everybody who gets to be your client, <laughs> even though it's not me. <laughs> I do feel like that's such an interesting, like I love your perspective on um, how it, how you think it's cool that people are like respecting you more as a vet. Like that's super awesome. But I do think like it's important to speak to body workers who do know a lot. And I, I think about this with farriers too, where like people will literally just be like, oh, well, I didn't like the thing that the farrier did. So I just switched to another one. And then another one or like, oh, I tried this body worker out and I didn't like it. And I feel like being an equine body worker is such a tough space to be in because people can say like everyone has like a different perception. And I almost feel like it's so half-assed on like the person's part. And I like, I hate to say that, but it's so true because I talked to so many animals and it's like, oh, well we tried Cairo, but that didn't work. And then we tried this lady, but that didn't work. And we did this. And like, how is it to be in that space as a body work? So like, aside from like vet school, like what, what, how is it to be in that space? And what could clients do to like, make your job a little bit easier and like hold more compassion and help the process go like smoother for body workers? So I think just the respect end of things is huge, right? Like I am really lucky. Like I, for the most part, like I've got amazing clients, but you know, there's like, even thinking about like, you know, your body worker, if they're there and they're seeing seven or eight horses, like have somebody bring them in out of the field and already have their fly sheets off or their blankets off or their fly masks off. And, you know, if I have to grab them out of the stall, that's no big deal. But like, people don't think about that time that like, if I've got to go find a horse, if I don't know where it goes, if I, you know, there's a lot in that. So taking the time to have your horses ready to go, just that to me speaks volumes. If, you know, your body worker's there, your farrier, your whoever, and you know, they're going to be there for eight hours, like, or seven or whatever, like schedule them a 30 minute break in the middle and say, Hey, you know what we got, you know, the 30 minutes, if they want it, like it's available to them. Like, you know, we see you busting your butt. Why don't you sit down, like have a cold glass of water or let me bring you a cup of coffee or whatever. Like that happens occasionally at Barnes. And I'm like, gosh, like, I feel like the queen of England, like, you know, and somebody gives you that like moment of like, here, I want you to recharge. Like that means a lot. And that means a lot to your farriers. Like they're bent over on their heads all day and hot and or freezing cold, or they're coming out last second because your horse has a show and you got to get this shoe stuck on, or your horse has been hurt and your body workers like rearrange their schedule. Like having it like those little things mean like they're just priceless. Like that means so much. For sure. I think that's super important and makes a lot of sense. And it's kind of sad actually that that's like not a thing. Like I know when my like equine dentist comes out, I'm like, 
do you need a water? Do you need a pee? Like, what do you need before we start the shindig? Like, let me know. Okay. I swear I'll let you go. Um, but I do have one more question. How do you feel, um, just as a body worker, vet, whatever, like when you're giving, when you're doing sessions and like people really truly are interested, like, how do you feel about like answering questions as you're moving along or like when the client is like invested, like, is that something that disrupts your flow or you're like totally cool with questions? Now I am totally cool. Like I love telling people what I'm feeling and finding when I first started, it took so much like effort, I guess, on my part to like, make sure I was grounded and like trusting your intuition is a hard thing to teach yourself. Like that is not something that you can just, or at least me, like, just be like, Oh, like I've had to put my hands on hundreds and hundreds of horses to be like, you know what? It may not make sense why I need to go to your udders, but here we go. Like, you know, I have found some wild things that I was like, Oh, well now everything makes sense just by, you know, going with your intuition. Um, But because that took some training, I couldn't talk a lot. But now I tell people like, you know, ask away. I'd rather you ask and get out of this session what you need to hear. And then they're like, oh, well, that makes sense. And I find the people that are asking questions are like, they become more and more invested in the manual work and the body work with their horses, right? Because they're hearing the things that they realize they've been feeling or seeing or or they'll related back to themselves, right? Oh, well, you know, like I fell down the steps three weeks ago and really busted my knee. Does that matter? Oh, actually it kind of does, you know? So it's like, it's a cool way to interact and like kind of start integrating like a different facet to their relationship with their horse, if that makes sense. Um, So I'm all for it. And if I'm in a place where I can't talk, I'll just tell my clients, just give me five minutes or whatever. And then I'll come right back to you and we can keep talking. Oh, I love that. So to, to wrap things up, is there anything that you feel is really important to say, or like one of the most important, like bits of advice you could give to horse owners who are like struggling with maybe like a lameness issue or an issue that they can't figure out and they're searching and trying to, trying to find the answers. What would you tell them? Well, don't be afraid of like, alternative things, right? Don't be afraid of acupuncture. Don't be afraid of different types of body workers. And also like, look for your little milestones, right? People want this like big 180, you know, big kaboom difference. Like we work on your horse today, you go out and all of a sudden you're like back to normal. That doesn't always have, doesn't have with us either, right? Like healing is a journey and it takes time. So look for the little things like Look for the little improvements or the little steps back and just keep a journal, even if it's on your phone, like, and start like realizing these little steps forward is foundational and don't give up on your horse or your practitioners just because it's frustrating. I think that's, you know, people want their horses to feel better and we all want that. Right. But sometimes it's like lots of little building blocks to really get us to the place where we're seeing the bigger things. So just, you know, don't give up. And, you know, don't be afraid to add in some adjunctive things. And most of the time you can make an amazing positive impact. That was really good. (laughs) It was so nice to meet you. I'm so excited for you and the path that you're on. And I hope ever anyone else that's really feeling called to like do do it this way. I love that it happened this way for you because I feel like it's so much more 
almost more valuable in the fact that like you do get to do the like go talk to your vet but then also you've had all of this experience of hands-on there's just such an amazing like combination of those two things and I think more people should do that (laughs) I agree I'm working on it every day I'm trying (laughs) so if people want to know more about you or follow along on your journey because now everyone's going to be all invested um what is your social media that you have I assume you're too busy for more clients but uh, it yeah, and it depends. Like, and I, you know, I'm, I will, I will try. But again, with the boundary thing, people just have to know that it may be <laughs> a minute or two before I can get out there. I do have three employees that work with me, so they're also, you know, very good body workers. So you know, we can see people. If that regard, just my personal time, I don't have as much. But Equine Muscle Works on um, Instagram and Facebook, or equinemuscleworks.com is my website, and people can get in touch with me, however, through there. Cool. Okay. I'm looking Shaylee, I felt like you had something to say. So I was like awkwardly pausing. We we don't know how to end our podcast ever. And so I'm not editing this. This is this is how we roll. That's fine. She just edited it later and like put in some cute little fluffies as if we ended it normally. So yeah. Thanks. Thanks for coming. We're always like, thanks for coming. Bye. (laughs) Shut your computer. Trying to make this like ending, and then Shaylee's like, "Bye, yes. <laughs> yeah." She goes, "See ya," and then this is like over. Anyway, that's also fine. It's okay. People are have the more the more we do it, like the more comfortable we are just being like our weird, unprofessional, untamed selves. So leave it. I love it. I wouldn't change a dang thing. I would end it how you want, and you just love being your untamed self because I think it's great. <laughs> well, it was so fun talking to you and so nice meeting you. And I'm so excited. So excited for your future. So Aww, thank you. Yep, totally. All right. Bye. Bye.